All right. Uh, I've titled this message tonight, Jesus Died for Us. Are we dying to self that we may live for him? You know, that's, it's like an urgent urgency, you know, in the days that we're living in right now. Are we really living for Christ? He, he went to the cross for us. The question is, are we living for him? Are we, are we crucifying our flesh daily that we may live for him, that we may be all that he has called each and every one of us to be? You know, I've I got I to daily remind myself of that. So let's, let's go ahead and I'll read the passage and then we'll go back and, and take a look at it. John, uh, John 16, I mean John nineteen sixteen. it says, Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is in Hebrew, Golgotha where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Verse 20, Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garment and made four parts, to each soldier soldier, a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Do not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus' mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her home to his own home. Took her to his own home. After, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. This whole study could be summed up in one verse. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Last week we saw through uh, Rafi's study how Jesus was brought before Pilate and how he had found no fault in him and wanted to let him go. And he even had him scourged in hopes that this would satisfy the Jews. They said that he was guilty of breaking their Jewish law of blasphemy because he made himself the Son of God. Also, Rafi mentioned in his study that if, if they had just looked at the, the life of Jesus and his ministry and all that he, he did, the miracles that he did, and everything that he did, I mean, he was drawing people to himself. I mean, to the God, which he, of course, is himself. But he was, he was drawing people through, to God, not away from them. 
You know, uh, and if they had only understood their own scriptures, they would have seen that this was God in the flesh. God dwelt among us, and we, we beheld His glory, the only begotten of the Father. Then how could this have been blasphemy? Pilate sought to release him, but they pressured him, saying, If you let him go, you aren't Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself king speaks against Caesar. Rafi also mentioned, if Pilate had found no fault in him, he should have let him go. He shouldn't have even scourged him. <laughs> you know. I mean, this, this, this just shows you what type of man Pilate was. <clears throat> so Pilate here, you know, they, they wear him down. You know, he gives in to the crowd. He gives in to these leaders, Jewish leaders. He was giving in to something he knew was wrong. He knew the right thing to do was to release Jesus, for he had found no fault in him. Jesus took the scourging and never cried out or confessed any crime. He knew this was an innocent man. Also, Rafi mentioned Pilate's wife warned him in Matthew twenty-seven nineteen, where it says, While he was sitting on this judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. You know, his wife was telling him, his conscience was trying to tell him, but he wasn't listening. He wanted to listen to the peer pressure of this crowd instead. He knew what he was doing was wrong. Pilate was faced with what we are faced with in this life. Each and every one of us. You know, what are you going to do with Jesus? You can believe in Him or you cannot believe in Him. You can receive Him as your Lord and Savior or you can deny him. Matthew 10:32 through 33 says, "Therefore whoever confesses me before man, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before man, I will deny him before my Father in heaven." Also in John 1:12 it says, "But as many as received him, he gave the, them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name." See, we have a choice. Every one of us, this whole world has a choice. And there's only two choices. Receive Him or, or don't believe. <clears throat> so here, fi- finally, Pilate gives in to the crowd and ends up releasing Barabbas and is now going to f- crucify Jesus. You know, I... I remember uh, something Daryl said also in his study in uh, in John uh, 18.20 when Caiaphas was questioning Jesus. Was Caiaphas really the one questioning uh, in charge or, or was it Jesus that was in charge of the, the questioning? You know, the same thing here in this chapter it looks like Jesus is on trial from the earthly perspective. Pilate thought he was the judge. But it was really Pilate <laughs> that was on trial before Jesus. <laughs> the judge of the universe. And Pilate is the guilty one. Crucifying the Lord of glory. Pilate's decision affected where he will spend eternity. We too have the same choice. And what we choose will matter for all eternity. So now we want to look at the crucifixion of Christ from three perspectives. First, Jesus, the King crucified. Verses 16 through 24. Second, behold your son. Behold your mother. Verses 25 through 27. And the last one is, it is finished. 
verses 28 through 30. So let's look at the first one, Jesus, the King crucified. We'll start in uh, verse 16. It says, Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. Right here it says they led him away. No one forced him to go. He voluntarily went to the cross. You know, he could have called down legion of angels to protect him. In Isaiah 53, 7, it says, He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He went, he went voluntarily. He laid down his life for you and for me and for all those who call upon his name. I want to read uh, a medical doctor's description of the crucifixion. It says, The cross is placed on the ground, and the exhausted man is quickly thrown backwards and his shoulders against the wood. The legionnaire feels the depression at the front of his wrist. He drives a heavy, square, wrought iron nail through the wrist and deep into the wood. Quickly he moves to the other side and repeats the action, being careful not to pull the arms too tightly, but to allow some flex and movement. The cross is then lifted into place. The left foot is pressed backwards against the right foot and both feet extended. Toes down. Another nail is driven through the arch of each, leaving the knees flexed. The victim is now crucified. As he slowly sags down with more weight on the nails in the wrists, excruciating Fiery pain shoots along the fingers and up the arms to explode into the brain. The nails in the wrist are putting pressure on the median nerves. As he pushes himself upward to avoid this stretching torment, he places the full weight of the nail. I'm sorry. He places the full weight on the nail through his foot. Through his feet. Again, he feels the, the searing agony of the nail tearing through the nerves between the bones of the feet. The arms fatigue, cramps sweep through the muscles, knotting them in deep, relent, relentless, throbbing pain. With these cramps come the inability to push himself upward to breathe. Air can be drawn into the lungs, but not exhaled. He fights to raise himself in order to get even one small breath. Finally, carbon dioxide builds up in the lungs and in the bloodstream, and the cramps partially subside. Spasmodically, he is able to push himself upward to exhale and breathe in life-giving oxygen. Hours of this limitless pain, cycles of twisting, joint-rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain. As tissue is torn from his lacerated back as he moves up and down against the rough timber. Then another agony begins. A deep, crushing pain deep in the chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum and begins to compress the heart. It is now almost over. The loss of tissue, the loss of tissue fluids has reached a crit- critical level. The compressed heart is struggling to pump heavy, thick, sluggish blood into the tissues. The tortured lungs are making a frantic effort to grasp in gulps of air. He can feel the chill of death creeping through his tissues. Finally, he can allow his body to die. All this, the Bible records with simple words 
and they crucified him. Mark 15:24 What wonderful love is this? <laughs> this is from uh, the Expositor's Bible Commentary. Crucifixion was first practiced by Persians and Phoenicians, and it was later taken over from them by Rome, who perfected it. Crucifixion was most often performed to dissuade its witnesses from perpetrating similar, usually particularly heinous, crimes. Victims were sometimes left on display after death as a warning to any other potential criminals. Crucifixion was usually intended to provide a death that was particularly slow, painful, hence the term we get, excruciating, gruesome, humiliating in public, using whatever means were most expedient for the goal. While a crucifixion was an execution, it was also a humiliation. By making the condemned as vulnerable as possible, we see this happening today over in, over in the Middle East. They're crucifying Christians, ISIS. So let's look at uh, verse 17. It says, And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him. One on either side, and Jesus in the center. In Peter 2.24 it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. See, Jesus bore it all, all for us. He took the sin of the world upon himself. After a man was sentenced to crucifixion, they would make him bear his own cross, march him through the streets, taking the longest route for all to see. Usually there was th- uh, four Roman soldiers surrounding him with no- another soldier in the front uh, carrying a sign with the accusation on it. You know, we see Jesus carrying... His cross answering the type of Isaac carrying the wood on his back that he would be bound to and, and sacrificed on the mountain by his father. Just as Isaac went voluntarily, so did Jesus. You know, and there, we can do a whole study on, on, on that type, you know, of, of the similarities between Isaac and Jesus. Jesus. And Abraham the father. You know, Abraham gave his only son. And, and Isaac went voluntarily and, and went to the altar to be sacrificed. <laughs> and, it, and of course God provided the, the, the sacrifice. You know, and, and Isaac got to live again. You know, he was... He was, he was literally going to be dead, you know, but God brought him back. This is a type. John ten fifteen through 18 says, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my, father loves me, therefore my Father loves me, because I lay my di- life down, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myse- of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus voluntarily laid down His life. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay 
down one's life for his friends. You know, and Jesus did this while we were yet enemies through wicked works. You know, when I was when I was doing this study, putting the study together, it's like it's like I've read this so many times through the Bible. But man, when you when you need to teach this, it's it's like Man, the stuff is so deep. It's so deep. With with the, I mean, and and the the, the verse that I mean, the, the song that kept coming in to my to my mind as I'm studying is how deep the Father's love for us. <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing what 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 our Lord did. You know, sometimes we we read through these things and we skim over them. You know, we're we're reading through the Bible. And we really don't take time to to really delve into it. <clears throat> you know, uh, I was actually supposed to teach last week, and Rafi was supposed to teach this week, but he, he got uh, offered to go down and do a mission trip down in Mexico. And I don't think there's any coincidence that he's down in Mexico doing this mission trip. And I feel the same way about this study because... <laughs> You know, like Daryl has said many times, you know, the study, study was for me, you know, and, and I know it's for you, but it's for all of us. But I really needed to, to grasp this. <clears throat> According to the Roman custom, Jesus carried his cross from the place of sentencing to the place of crucifixion, Golgotha. Before the Romans put a man on a cross, they put a cro- the cross on the man, forcing him to carry it in a public procession intended to draw attention to the condemn his crime and his fate. Just as Jesus bore his cross, we too are to bear our cross daily. We're to follow in his footsteps. Are we dying to self? You know this. This this convicted me. You know, as I'm as I'm driving on the on the freeway here, I literally some car went into my lane. You know, I'm, I'm driving. He just cuts right in without looking. And I, he must have missed me by a half an inch. I thought I, I thought, oh Lord, <laughs> but I slammed on the brake, and you know. Automatically, I, I, I'm upset, you know. Am I dying to myself? Am I letting the light of Christ shine in me at work, wherever I might be, you know? Am I letting things get to me, my spouse or my whatever it might be? Are we giving into our flesh? Are we, are we, or are we dying to self? If he could, if Christ would die for us, we could live for him, right? It's not easy. It's not easy. We got a lot of lot coming against us. This world, we see what the 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 condition of this world and everything that's going on. You know, you want revenge. You you see these things that they're doing to Christians. You, you see the our country going down. But but as it gets darker and darker and darker, <laughs> if we're walking right with Him, if we're walking. With the Lord, we're going to be shining that light. You know, you've heard the, the thing about being down in a cavern and there's it's complete darkness, and then light a, a, a match, and boom, the whole place is lit up by that one little match. Same thing with us. You know, if we're walking right with the Lord, if we're dying to self, if we're not, if we're not you know, the the disciples, they, they he said. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They they left what they were doing. They got up and followed him. You know, are are we looking to see what God's going to do through us every day? Lord, what do you have for me today? You know, these are convicting. These convict me. Galatians two twenty says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Matthew 16.24 says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. Matthew 10.38 says, And he who does not take up his cross and follow Me is not worthy of Me. The old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of a human being. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to all his friends. He was not coming back. He was going out to have it ended. The cross made no compromise, modified nothing, spared nothing. It slew all of the man, completely and for good. It did not try to keep on good terms with its victim. It struck cruel and hard. And when it had finished its work, the man was no more. This is from A.W. Tozer. And as, as we see, as, as Jesus bared his cross, he was led to the place of the skull in Hebrew Golgotha. Golgotha is the Aramaic for skull. In the Greek, it is cranian. In Latin, it is calvaria. And forgive me if I say that wrong. <laughs> I know my wife will correct me later on that one. Calvaria. Some believe this is a rocky hill that is located about 20, 250 yards northeast of the Damascus. Damascus Gate, right outside the city. It is currently inside the city walls, but believed... I'm sorry. There's also a, a traditional site believed by Catholics to be inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. This is currently outside, inside the city walls, but believed to be at that time outside the city walls. Whether, whether it is called the place of a skull, because the fact that people... There were being crucified where skulls were found, or because the site resembles a skull is a matter of debate. Uh, we, me and my wife, we've been to Israel and uh, we've seen both places. And personally, I prefer going to the uh, Gordon's Calvary, it's the place that looks like a skull. Uh, this is a rock formation that looks like a skull because, you know, I, I can picture, I can picture what it looked like back in the day, you know, and as opposed to going to the the place of the Holy Sepulchre, where, I mean, it's it's some weird stuff going on there, <laughs> and it's it just uh, they're basically falling down crying and they're worshiping this place, you know, and it just seems real oppressive. Uh, it's possible it could be that place, but I don't like what the Catholics have made of it and what's going on there. Uh, but I myself, I lean towards the, the, the place of a skull that, that looks like the rock formation of a skull. You know, uh, I mean, even in the, blur, in the verse, it says uh, a place of a skull. You know, it doesn't say place of, of skulls. But, but either way, it doesn't matter what, what's the right place or what's not. We will find out one day when we go to heaven. You know, it'll all be settled. Uh, in the parallel passage in Luke 23, it has more uh, detail about the two criminals that are crucified on either side of Jesus. In Luke 12, 39 through 43, it says... Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed them, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, 
for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, I'm sorry, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, the one criminal blasphemed him and decided not to believe. The other one who believed was born again, and I expect to see him in heaven. They both had to contemplate, they had, they had time while they were up on that cross to see Jesus. And they had the time to contemplate who he was. And, and, and I'm sure they, they heard about what he was doing and, and everything that was going on. I mean, what Jesus was doing was no, you know, not, not in the secret place. He was out in front of everybody. <clears throat> and the word got around. The whole world over there knew what was going on. Sorry, lost my place. Both had time to contemplate who indeed this Jesus was, and the one made the right choice from what was revealed to him from the Father. And, and you know, God does that for all of us. He gives us the opportunity. I mean, we, we're, we're without excuse, the, the Word says, you know, by His attributes are clearly seen. He, knew, he now knew that Jesus was king and he wanted to be in his kingdom. He decided to surrender and make Jesus his Lord. In essence, all of mankind is represented by these two criminals on, the, on their crosses next to Jesus. One chose to believe and the other chose not to believe. And like those two thieves, we too have broken God's law. You know, we're just as guilty as those two thieves on both sides of them. And we deserve the death sentence. And we, were all, we are all faced with the question, who is Jesus? A good man? Or God who became man in order to die for us? And he became the propitiation for our sin, sins, or in, in simpler terms, the payment for our sins. I can imagine, you know, you know, we we lead people to Christ, or, or, or we say, "Pray the sinner's prayer." You know, you don't see that here. This this man believed that Jesus was Lord. See the work. I mean, yeah, God uses a prayer. But it, that, that work has to go on in our heart before that, that, that response ever comes out. He, we, we need to contemplate who Jesus is. And that, that work goes on in our heart. You know, before we ever receive Him as the Lord, we have to believe that He is Lord. You know, He said, Lord, remember me when, I, when you come into your kingdom. He believed who Jesus was. You know, he didn't say, I come to you in Jesus' name and I, I, I pray to receive you as Lord and Savior. He, he believed it. Just like Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, who are you, Lord? What would you have to me to do, Lord? You know, it's, it's that work was going on in their heart. And that happened, you know, with each and every one of us. You know, no one can come to God unless He first draw you to Him. You know, He's, he's, he's working and drawing us to Him. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm sure He was doing the same thing, up, you know, to that criminal that was on the cross. He was drawing him to Him. Uh, so let's look at verse 19. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. It's, it's interesting to note here that he was Jesus of Nazareth, where nothing good was to come, expected to come out of. 
You know, this is where our Lord decides to come from, where nothing good comes from. You know, that's just like our Lord. He humbled himself, became a man, and dwelt among us. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, not not what not what we would have done if we were God. You know, we would have you know come in all this pomp and you know the blow the trumpets. Here I am. You know. <laughs> But God humbled himself, became a man, and dwelt among us. He, he was born a virgin. You know, he, he, he could have just opened up out of, uh, you know, came into time, time and space and said, here I am, God, follow me or, or else, you know. But, but he didn't. He humbled himself, became a man, and, and died in our place. What, what, what love. In John 1.46 it says, And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Peter said, Come and see. Then over the head of every victim of crucifixion was inscribed his crime. In this case, the king of the Jews. It was meant to be mockery. You know, they put this title up there to, meant to be mockery to the Jews. It was also the original charge that he was brought to brought to Pilate for. Little did they know that he really was Jesus, the King of the Jews. Even their taunts were truer than they knew. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. No, he came for that purpose, to die. Verse 20, then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. The Romans wanted uh, crucifixion to be a public event, near, near the city and in all languages, so all, all could see and all could understand what was going on. They wanted to see the wretched victim, and they wanted, you know, they wanted many to see this, and, and they they wanted to be able to read the crime and to be warned, you know, so nobody else would would do the same thing. Verse twenty one it says, therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. You know, here in this verse, they, they seem upset because they don't believe him to be the king of the Jews. You know, this is also degrading to the Jews because, you know, in a, in a way it showed Rome's power to crucify their king, <laughs> the king of the Jews. You know, even though they didn't believe him to be king of the Jews, it, it's still symbolically they're... They're crucifying their king. Verse 22, Then Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. You know, it's funny. Uh, Pilate is here finally standing up to him, in a sense. You know, he he didn't stand up to him before when they were yelling, Crucify him, crucify him. But now he's, what I've written, I've written, you know. <laughs> in a sense, he's standing up at the, in the small matter, but not, not, not in the one he knows, man, he's doing something completely wrong. He should not even be doing this, but he's going to stand up in this little matter, you know. What I've written, I've written. The way he answered here would seem that he was very uneasy with himself for giving in to them, for pressuring him into doing something he knew that was wrong. And the question for us, you know, do we give in to peer pressure at work or, or wherever it might be? You know, do we, do we join in, you know, with the rude jokes or, or listen to the, the jokes and laugh at them or, or whatever, you know, whatever it might be? Are we giving in to peer pressure, you know, 
Or are we giving in to the, the you know, are we, are we being iron with our brothers and sisters? Iron, you know, has it, how it talks about iron sharpens iron. You know, that's what we need to be doing, guys. We sharpen each other, you know, because the day is short. The day is at hand. Verse 23, it says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. You know, I can imagine back in in that day, you know, the soldiers taking the garments and and, and, uh, gambling for them. You know, that they they were believing they could get some good money for these. You know, how popular Jesus was. Especially the seamless tunic. So they cast lots for it to see who would get it. You know, the seamless tunic also is a a picture of Christ's perfect righteousness. Was not torn but gambled for fulfilling Psalm 22.18. This tunic was woven in one piece. Just like the one that was made for the priests in Exodus uh, 28.31. This same type of woven woven tunic was worn by the priest, was also worn by Jesus, our great high priest. You know, he 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 is our great high priest. He goes in, he makes intercession before the Father for each and every one of us. You know, our Lord prays for us. That's hard to comprehend. You know, our Lord is praying for us to the Father. Jesus prays to us for the, you know, and the Holy Spirit intercedes. You know, it's it's just amazing how that the Trinity works together. You know, and it is it's hard to comprehend our our, our little uh, finite mind can't comprehend. You know, the Trinity or, or these things, but we believe it. You know, God says it and we believe it. And then the second point uh, in, the, in the study is, Behold your son, behold your mother. Verse 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You know, it's funny how how John says... uh, The disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> it's almost like he boasts about it. You know? <laughs> you know, but they're, they're just disciples. They're just men, just like us. You know, we don't know how he, how he meant it, but, but it, you know, we too can boast about that. Because he's, we are the disciples whom Jesus loved. Who Jesus loves. You know, it, it's, it's our perspective, how we look at things you know we, sometimes we get all down and out because of our circumstances but but are we taking time to comprehend you know we're we're sons and daughters of the king one day we're going to inherit all things you know this is <laughs> it's all our perspective how are we looking at it you know and, and we're all guilty 
Jesus has, the Lord has a way of picking us up, you know. He comforts those. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I, I will give you rest. You know, if we're going through hard times, God wants to comfort you. And a lot of times God allows us to go through things that we may comfort others that are in need. You know, with the same comfort that He gave us, we give to them. You know, and we, we see our brothers and sisters in the, in the body here that are suffering. They're suffering cancer and, and, and different things, you know. But God wants us to comfort. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through these things so we can see the mighty hand of God working and we can see as a body we're coming together and we're praying for that person. You know, we, we don't know the outcome because God can take them home. He could, he could heal them miraculously. But God, God is sovereign. But, but, but that's, this is just, you know, I often say, you know, when I'm out on the streets evangelizing, you know, I tell people, you know, if you ever look at a tombstone, you got the two dates and the little dash in between. You know, that little dash is our life. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Our life is but a vapor. You know, and, and, and one day we're going to be with God in heaven for eternity. You know, I don't want my worst enemy to go to hell. Because it's forever and ever and ever and ever, you know, and never ending. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, you know. Let's tell people how good God is. Here in this passage, you can imagine what was going on in Mary, his mother's heart, at, the, at this time, seeing her son up there on the cross. All the thoughts coming back to her of the things that she was told, her, her, that her and uh, Joseph were told from the angel you know, concerning Jesus. You know, the angel told Joseph in a dream that they should call his name Jesus and that he would save the world from their sins. And, and this is exactly what Jesus was doing up there on that cross. Saving the world from our, our, our sins. You know, and then, then you see these women, what commitment these women had to be there. You know, you don't, you see John there, but where, where are the rest of the disciples? <laughs> you know, they're all running. They're hiding. They're scared. These women, they didn't seem concerned about themselves or what would happen to them. And unfortunately, this is what we see today in many of the, of the church as a whole. Not just this church, but I'm, I'm saying as a church as a whole. You know, we see women committed in serving the Lord. And we do see men, but we there's more women serving and, and, and involved in the church than there are men. And, you know, we as men, we need to step up to the plate. We need to be the high priests of our family. You know, and this is convicting me as I say this. You know, are we doing what God has called us to do? And this may be for women too, because not all women are up serving and, and, and letting God use them and, and being that light and, and dying to self. You know, we, we need to die to self to do this. There's only one time that we should be looking at ourselves. You know, we shouldn't be looking at ourselves, but there's only one time we should, and the Bible says to look at yourself, to self-examine yourself. You know, it says we're we're told to to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. You know, and that's that's the only time we should be looking at ourselves. We should be looking at God first and then then others. You know, you, you've heard the, the, the joy, Jesus, others, and you. 
We should be last. Also, in, in this verse, if you just skim through these verses, you won't catch it. But, but to me, this was absolutely amazing. What care Jesus had for his mother as he's up there dying on the cross. What love he had. Here Jesus has been tortured beyond recognition and just about dead and he's still serving and providing for his mother while he's up there on the cross. You know, I've read through this many times and I never really paid attention to that. He's not looking at a situation. He's thinking about her and all his pain and agony. He needs to take care of his mother (laughs) this is what we call perfect dying to self. And if we want to walk as he walked, we too need to die to self. We all need to take note of this also here, that we are to take care of our parents when they get old and they can't do it themselves. Also, from what we read in all the Gospels, we don't see Joseph anywhere at this point. So we can assume something happened to him, and he's most likely dead at this point in the, in the, in the Gospel. So Jesus wants his mother taken care of, and I'm sure he has handpicked John to be the one. What responsibility and what honor for Jesus to trust John to take care of his mother. You know I mean, that, that's honor. You know, John, I want you to take care of my mom. You know. Mary also had other children that were born after Jesus that could have taken care of his, his mom. You know, this also tells us a lot about, uh, a lot of us know brothers and sisters in Christ are a lot times a lot of times closer to us than our own family are. You know, we can trust our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we can't trust our own family, our our own flesh and blood. And 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 John, he's 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 not you know, God's picking him. Jesus is picking him because he knows he, he will take care of his mom. I mean just it's like it's it's incredible the what honor. And at this point, it also talks about in a, in a, in a parallel passage in Mark 15.33, it says, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. This is Jesus is about to pay the price. He's he's about to give up his spirit, and it, you know this, this three hour period of time. There's darkness over the whole land. You know the 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 light of the world is about to be taken out. But you know, little did they know they're crucifying the light of the world. But but He's going to live in each one of us. <laughs> and we're going to shine His light into this dark and dying world. You know, little did they know that. <laughs> they couldn't snuff the light out. They had no idea that He's going to raise from the dead. And that He's going to live in each and every one of us by His Holy Spirit. He has now come to the end and is now about to conquer sin and death. So we come to our third and last point. It is finished. Verse 28 says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. 
in the parallel passage in Matthew and Mark, it, it, it talks about them first offering him sour wine mingled with gall in one, and, and wine mingled with myrrh in the other gospel. This would have had a medicinal drugging effect to numb some of the pain to be able to endure the cross, the crucifixion. But, but at this time, Jesus refused it. He didn't want to, to numb the pain. He wanted to take the whole brunt of the, the, the... He took upon our punishment upon himself. The second time that's listed here in John, they filled the sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop. And they put it to his mouth when he had said he thirst. And this wasn't the same wine. This, this was uh, sour wine mixed with vinegar. You know, that they would drink to quench their thirst. Then we come to one of the most important and last sayings on the cross. It is finished. In the Greek, it's the word tetelestai. This is an accounting term that means paid in full. Jesus paid our sin in full. There was nothing else that needed to be done. It's finished. Paid in full. Now, whoever receives Him, stamped on our account, paid in full. He fulfilled all the prophets had prophesied concerning Him, about His suffering, His ministry, and now He voluntarily gives up His Spirit, and the payment is made. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. There was nothing else that needed to be done. Jesus paid our sin debt in full. Jesus paid, I'm sorry, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. I'm sure you guys have heard that one. It's by Anonymous. I don't know who it is. All we need to do now is believe that he did all, did it all, and there's nothing left to do but trust in him in his finished work on the cross. True biblical faith produces action. Now we need to live out our faith. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, For scarcely a righteous man will, will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us, and that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, He has finished His work for me, then I must get work to I must I must get to work for him and I must persevere until I finish my work too not to save myself but that all for that all is done but because I am saved Charles Spurgeon You know we we are to be doers of the word just like it says in James Also Xavier likes to say we we hear a lot we aren't just to, be, to go to church, but we're to be the church. Romans 6.6 6 says, Now, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. There are no crown wearers in heaven who are not cross bearers here below. Charles Spurgeon. Romans 6, 5-13 says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. 
Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 1-4 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that it so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. For the joy that he was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Amen. The wrath of God was poured out on Him and He took upon Himself the punishment that you and I rightly deserve. Christ humbled Himself and was obedient to the death of the cross. The question for all of us, are we ready to completely give up our rights to ourselves? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Will we be obedient to daily die to self, that we may be effective to live for Him? We daily affect everyone around us, guys, either for good or for evil. The choice is up to us. Time is short, and we have a small window of time, of opportunity. Let's die to self that we may live for Him. So tonight, through the crucifixion of Jesus, we saw first... Jesus, the King crucified in our place that we might live for Him. Second, behold your son, behold your uh, mother. What an honor it is to serve the Lord. And third, it is finished. There's nothing left to be done but believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. and We thank you, Father, for all that you've done by sending Your Son to die in our place, to take our sin debt upon Himself, Lord. He voluntarily went in our place. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What good news that is, Lord. What mercy You've had upon us, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do, all that you're doing, and all you're about to do, Lord. I pray for each and every one here, Lord. I pray that you would help us to die to self, that we may live in these last days, that we would be on fire for you, that our light would so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify you in heaven, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that, that, that might be on the fence, that they would commit themselves to you tonight, Lord. I pray if there's anyone here, and I know I, I believe I'm with, with brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord, but I don't know everyone's heart here tonight. And I pray if there's anyone here that's not right with you, Lord, that hasn't received you as Lord, and they've been contemplating, they've, they've been uh, coming to church, but they haven't been the church, Lord. If they're not saved, Lord, that you brought them here tonight to get saved. All it takes is a, a, a prayer of faith. First, you need to believe that Jesus is Lord. You can pray with me tonight to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe what was said here tonight. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he was buried and he rose again on the third day to forever defeat sin and death. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.